New Zealand is moving to ban smoking for the next generation. We'll explain their plan. The Kirkfield Park by-election turned out to be a really close race. We spoke with the winner, Kevin Klein. A new outdoor holiday tradition is coming to Osborne Village this weekend, something called Winter in the Village. A new survey says a lot of Canadians, and we mean a lot, don't plan to use all of their vacation time this year. And we enjoyed talking about stepping into the breach, because as you'll hear in a moment, producer Kyle is our saviour. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, December 14th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we must begin, I think, with some thanks to our savior, Kyle Milroy, because I got a phone call. I'm standing, I'm get, just getting ready to leave my apartment. My cab is two minutes out, and my phone rings at 4.14 a.m. It's Jeff Forte, producer Jeff Forte, and I, <laughs> I think, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> Getting a phone call at four fourteen a.m. and he says, "Oh, hey man, um, I'm sick. What do I do?" <laughs> and like, I I don't know. I call uh, Kyle. Call the boss, Heather. Uh, I gotta go. My cab's coming. Sorry, you're sick, man. Um, Kyle Milroy is here. He was here last night. Got to bed at one a.m. and he was here by five a.m. Gonna say you got a phone call. I got a phone yeah. call. <laughs> <laughs> the good part about getting a phone call at 4 a.m. in that situation when you know who's calling you, I'm like, I see the phone and I'm already like getting dressed. I'm like, all right, well, I know this. I'm, I know what's going to happen. So I'm just kind of rocking and rolling. And, so uh, do you have your phone ringer on at night? Like, I'm just thinking of this now. You know what's would... funny is a lot of the, it's about, a, it's kind of 50 50 in those situations. I think I knew because we were like, we're a little shorter than we normally are with ops. So I was like, I'll just leave it on. But wow. yeah, it's, it's not. It's not a. I always leave my phone ringer on. I oh mean, I boy. think if you like, if you're, it's in the dead of night and you hear like your phone buzzing a bunch, you're gonna kind of, hopefully, wake up a bit. Well, because if I slept in and you guys were trying to call me, that would not help at all because my <laughs> ringer is off. Me too. Not only at three yeah. in the morning. Typically, it's off at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. Right. Because it just it's always off. I think if I had to wake up at the time you guys did, I would never have my ring around because I'm already getting up at the time where I'd be replacing somebody. So it's like I understand why you wouldn't have your ringer on, but yeah, I am normally not up this early. Well, so thank you, Kyle. We'll see what happens. I'm doing good right now. I have no idea how long this is going to last for. <laughs> <laughs> you sound great. Well, we're going to talk more about this at 6:45. But yeah, on that subject, I used to try to keep my at the very least keep the phone on vibrate. In the event that I slept in, but there was, um, I can't remember which app it was, but I was getting these constant notifications from one of the apps, maybe Facebook, and I couldn't figure out how to turn off that particular kind of notification without in- disabling it entirely. And uh, so I just decided to put the phone back on silent. But after this uh, situation, I fig- I got to figure that out because I-, I don't know if I should have the phone on silent when I go to bed. Because um, I don't, I'm, I, if, any, if there's one of us who will sleep in again, it will be me. So Kyle, thank you very much 
for coming in. No problem. And it's a messy day out there. Loren McNabb working from home today, and uh, you made the right call because it's you know it's not snow- snowing a ton, but it's snowing enough to be a mess out there. Well, here's the thing. You know, I woke up this morning. I looked outside. There's obviously been uh, a couple centimeters that at least had fallen, and I thought it looks fine. And I was going to get dressed and everything, and then I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to stay home because I have I'm in a position where I can. But you know, the highways aren't. Um, there's no reports of any, you know, highways closed. Some of them are maybe a little bit snow covered or ice covered. And if the wind picks up, we could have a mess today or into tomorrow. But I just thought, why not? I'm here. But if listeners are out there and are seeing anything on the roads, let us know. 780-6868. We're going to check in with Environment Canada next. And when I called him this morning, I said, look, I know we might be talking to you for the next three days. And he starts to laugh and he's like, yeah, it's going to, you know, it's a slow burn situation, right? Because we're going to see... Um, the snow today, maybe snow tomorrow, maybe snow Friday. And uh, Greg, I don't know if that's making for a mess yet, but it could be a bit of a headache for commuters. Well, on the main routes in particular, because it's so warm, it's just minus one at the moment. None of the snow is really sticking on Henderson Highway or Main Street, at least. I don't know what your experience was on the way in. Portage Avenue is in the same situation. Uh, the snow hits the ground and it's turning into water quite instantaneously. And the, even getting out of my bay, there's maybe an inch of snow on uh, on the vehicles in the driveway this morning. But getting out of the bay was absolutely zero problem. So I think that warm temperature is allowing whatever snow is falling, at least on those main routes, Brett, to uh, melt almost instantaneously. Yeah, I noticed that on the way in. All the, the main drags, uh, Osborne was was just wet. Uh, York was just wet. But but all of the sort of the cross streets as we were passing, like Hargrave, Carlton, because they hadn't been traveled. There was snow that had accumulated on the ground and just even outside our building right now at 201 Portage, it's starting to accumulate a little bit, but hopefully the roads won't be too bad this morning, but feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868 on what you experienced this morning. And we, of course, will share that. And we're going to get more on this snow system when we talk to Environment Canada in our next segment. And... Then at uh, 8.05, we are hoping to speak with the winner, Loren. The, the, the by-election, it went late. Yeah, down to the wire. And I guess, you know, um, you heard a bit of audio from Kevin Klein reacting to his win in that tight Kirkfield Park race last night. You know, a win is a win. And, yep, that's true. But it was just 160 votes and change separating him and the next contender, the NDP candidate. And I think, you know, there's questions about this. He's in the job for now. And I just say that because there's the main provincial election in one year time. And for sure, anything can happen, Greg, in a year. Voters' minds can be swayed. But, you know, right now, polls show right now, the Tories would be in tough to win another general election. So Kevin Klein wins for the Conservatives and has that job until next October. At least. And we really haven't been used to the Liberals uh, being in these races for the last several years. Well, certainly not the case in the Fort White by-election. Willard Reeves was right in it, right until uh, the last couple of polls were counted. And a similar situation last night for the Liberals here in Manitoba. So if you calculate the, the Liberal and NDP vote, and I know that's not how it works, but if you're in the war room for the Conservative Party here in Manitoba, you have to be a little bit concerned. That's uh, more or less traditionally PC riding, Kirkfield. And uh, yeah, to win it just by essentially a handful of votes, Brett, got to have a PC strategist. 
a little bit concerned. And hey, adding some excitement to a by-election, which is typically not a particularly glamorous event. Hooray for that. Yeah, it was uh, when I came in and saw the results and saw the results that they shared during the hockey game where at that at 11.30, the latest information they had was that Klein was down by five votes. I'm like, five votes! That's a race! Some interesting news on the fight against tobacco from the other side of the globe. Listen to this quick report from CBS. History in New Zealand. The country has passed an anti-smoking bill. It bans the sale of tobacco to anyone born on or after January 1st, 2009. The bill is designed to create an entire smoke-free generation. The new law also reduces the number of retailers allowed to sell tobacco and decreases the amount of nicotine in tobacco that is smoked. So that's just a quick snapshot. Here's the headline at Global news.ca but out lifetime ban on young people buying cigarettes imposed in new zealand loren yeah so this is a world first with new zealand lawmakers voting to ban the sale of cigarettes to anyone born on or after january 1st 2009 so this is the plan to phase out tobacco smoking completely meaning that the Minimum age to buy cigarettes will go up by a year. So, for example, 50 years from now, Kiwis will need to show ID to prove they are at least 63 years old to buy a pack of cigarettes. The new regulations, they were passed yesterday and they go into effect next year. And it means anyone aged 14, when the law comes into effect, will never be able to legally purchase tobacco. So, in theory, um, we've got a lot to digest here because it's going to make it... um, challenging for anyone to basically smoke again greg the, the goal is to get people to just not smoke period they all already have really low smoking rates in new zealand but opponents say the law is really just prohibition and will force people you know to buy cigarettes on the black market bans don't work i think we know that an outright ban doesn't work this is sort of a graduated policy brookline massachusetts implemented this uh, two years ago, and it's a little more harsh, in fact, uh, in terms of the date, uh, January 1st, 2000. Uh, anyone born uh, on or after that date is unable to buy cigarette or vaping products in Brookline, Massachusetts. Obviously, it's a much smaller scale than an entire country, but this allows people who do smoke to continue to smoke. Most surveys show that people who do smoke don't want to smoke. But to take away that ability for them to purchase uh, these products altogether, probably not the best idea. And I think the goal here is just for the idea of smoking just to die a natural death, Brett, as opposed to coming down hard and just banning it altogether, as I said off the top. That, that doesn't really work, and I think we know that. Yeah, I think this is kind of dumb. I, I would be would stand with the opponents who say that... Uh, mm-hmm. There will be unintended consequences like putting stores out of business or, uh, for example, you know, if, if people like teen, teenagers want to have. When I was in high school, there were grade nine students going outside for cigarettes. They, they obviously didn't purchase those, but they got their hands on them. So I, this just seems kind of silly to me. Uh, but on the vaping front, I just wanted to point this out for the, in case you listening right now have made the switch from smoking to vaping, as I have. 
Uh, they have now added an excise tax. So I get my juice costs me, I usually buy two bottles at a time. It costs me around 40 bucks. Well, that's going to go up to $60. So I just wanted to put that on your radar because they finally started to tax those products in this country. I would also add the caveat uh, whenever I mention that I'm vaping, I endorse it only as a way to get off of smoking. I would, again, I've said this before for people who don't vape, don't smoke, don't start ever. You know what's crazy, though? So in this New Zealand situation where they're basically working to ban cigarettes, they're not banning vape products, correct? If, if I'm reading that correctly yeah. in all the stories. So you can still vape, which is still popular with young kids. If the goal is to have young kids never smoke again, you're still allowing them to vape in that country. And there's been all sorts of conversations in this one about, you know, vaping versus cigarettes and vape, vaping is, you know, better. I'm putting that in quotes than cigarettes. And yet, you know, here they are taxing you more heavily, Brett, for your choice to vape they're still coming after you for your dollars and so i have a hard time understanding what governments want because they don't want you smoking they don't want you vaping because it's bad for you they don't want your lungs to be damaged because that's worse for the healthcare system but they they want to tax you hard to stop you or to collect the money and have yes. money to go like which which one is it yes both i guess it's both <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> And actually, there's a there's a study just out this morning that came into our system at 6.06 a.m. from uh, Lawson Health Research Institute and Western University they, that shows that vaping may negatively affect pulmonary surfactant in the lungs. Don't really know what that means, but yeah, of course. It doesn't uh, sound good. It's yeah. a five or six syllable word. Yeah. Never good. <laughs> I, yeah, I would I never say it's, uh, as you said, pointed out, Loren, in quotes, better. I just know that smoking versus vaping, when I smoke, I feel like death. And when I vape, I don't. And eventually, maybe this tax will help me finally just quit altogether. Because that was always the goal, was to just shake the nicotine habit. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Ross Levitan is in studio. He's in for Cam, who's down for the count. Producer Kyle Milroy in for Jeff Forte, who... Let us know just after four this morning. He's down for the count. So we are going to use that as the inspiration for this topic for a chance to win Shania Twain tickets, November 7th, Canada Life Centre. What's a time that you had to step into the breach? Because if you missed it earlier, I got a phone call at 414 from producer Jeff Forte saying, I'm sick. I can't come to work. What do I do? I said, I don't know. Start, try calling Kyle, I guess, as a starting point, and we'll go from there. And if worse comes to worst, I will sit in the control room and make a huge mess of the morning show today. So I'm very thankful that Kyle answered the phone uh, and came in. He was here last night working the Jets game, so he only got like three hours of sleep. So, Kyle, thank you very much for that. Hey, no problem. So, Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you at time you had to step into the breach? Yeah, another uh, CJOB instance. It was years ago, probably must have been around the year 2000 or something. And I don't remember exactly the circumstances that led to it. But all of a sudden, there was a Blue Bomber game, and I had to be the sideline reporter for Bob. Mm-hmm. And, well, I'm not really a sports guy, so that was <laughs> more than a little interesting. And he'd throw it down to me, and I sweat buckets and try to (laughs) blow my way through some sort of an update and at the end of it he'd be like all right jeff thank you for that and it was just (laughs) i don't know if it was just uh you know me sensing it but i was like i I don't think bob was terribly impressed with what i just did there and well it it did not become a regular gig for me we'll just say that yeah well you got to imagine that in in a situation like that the bob has to go into the game with the understanding like okay this might be a little different today i would hope 
I guess I don't know. I was, I, I was just like I bolted out of there right after the game. I was like, I don't need a breakdown of what just happened here. I'm going home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ross, what about you? I assume I should leave uh, today for Kyle. What's that? I, I assume I should leave today well, for Kyle. Because he no, stepped in, in one. Yeah, yeah, he stepped in in the, in the emergency <laughs> situation. So. No, no, I'll go back to my former life working in restaurants. You know, it's usually a younger crowd serving, especially in a big city like Toronto. So everyone would come to me, I guess, as the person because I was a couple years older. I guess nobody thought I had a life outside. I said, hey, <laughs> hey, you want to close for me tonight so I can be first off? And you know what? Probably oh. made a few extra bucks doing it too. So I won't say it's all out of the kindness of my heart, but certainly I was the uh, the go-to closer guy. At, uh, at the restaurant. Oh, I used to hate when the people used to come. Can I, you want to close for me tonight? I've got a date or I'm <laughs> going out or whatever. And exactly my response, Ross. You figure I don't have a life? Yeah. Well, what have you got going on? Well, nothing. <laughs> so I guess I'll close for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're, you're right. <laughs> uh, Loren, what about you? Sometimes you just want to say no. I remember... Years ago, working in Global Winnipeg, and I was, I had put together this documentary, a half hour documentary that had to be done. I can't remember, you know, on the specific day, so it could air that weekend. And of course, I, I, it was a last minute project that we decided to do. And so I came into work, finished writing it that day. Uh, I think it was a, a Thursday. And then the editor, work the day shift as well they needed the editor to work the day and then edit the documentary with me at night so we then worked all night like literally through the night to finish the documentary finally finishing editing it in the morning and I was getting ready to go home around 10 and the news director at the time came up and said I'm really sorry but the late night anchor is sick can you come back and do the 2 to 11 <laughs> and I was like but I've already been up like oh like you know tw- we're talking past 24 hours now that I've been awake it's like 32 or something and I think I said yes but unleashed like a string of expletives around the newsroom just swearing up a storm came back did the newscast but was so tired that there were there were parts where like when I'd finished reading and think that they, they had rolled tape you know so that the viewer would be seeing the story would put my head back down on the desk and was caught on air like three times just flopping onto the desk in exhaustion <laughs> like it was awful it that's was awesome. just an awful it wasn't awesome no that's awesome <laughs> when you're watching tv you sit there and you sort of hope and pray that something like that will happen you know <laughs> yep. you catch them doing like the wrong thing oh yeah. oh geez well good for you for uh... i didn't step into it kindly like i wasn't like kyle like okay no problem i was like beep, 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 you beep, 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 you beep, beep. And i was mad about it and then i proceeded to do a bad job so great kyle what about you other than this morning um, well, one time I was trying to think about this before. So one time I remember I was just at home on a Saturday night and I used to work for a mobile DJ company. And, uh, so I got a call from my boss saying like, Hey, uh, somebody come set the equipment up for this wedding. And then, uh, there's no DJ. The guy didn't show up. Oh no. So I was like, Oh, I'm like, where is it? And I think it was in like Stein. It was somewhere in like Steinbach or something. But I'm like, yeah, all right, well, I guess I'll help because I, so I did like rush out there and we ended up having a fun time, but it was just like one of those, like, oh, they, they paid for a service and the service wasn't there. And so <laughs> luckily I think for the first half part of weddings, you just like play like, you know, some jazz music or something for people to eat and stuff. So it wasn't, uh, they were going to miss out if someone hadn't showed up, but they managed to go off without a hitch after that. But yeah, it was, a uh, it was kind of tight. Way to go, Kyle. <laughs> what about you, Mackling? 1991 Grey Cup. <laughs> I came home for uh, for a vacation. I was living in Calgary. Came home to surprise my mom and to come to the game. 
and uh, to see my girlfriend. And uh, my dad owned uh, the milk route that I used to ru- that I used to work. And my brother, for whatever reason, agreed to be the delivery guy on the Monday after Grey Cup. Well, he imbibed just a little too much, not only on Grey Cup Sunday, the entire weekend. And so my dad showed up at my mom's house looking for Kevin at five o'clock in the morning. He should have been on the milk route for two hours at that point. Guess who got out of bed on his vacation, put his winter clothing on, and went and delivered milk on his vacation the day after Grey Cup? (laughs) Yours truly. And half the customers came to the door. Oh, we weren't expecting you today. That was a big party yesterday. (laughs) What are you doing out here? And it's like, hmm. I don't have enough time to explain it all to you. But, uh, yeah, my brother just about died for two different reasons <laughs> that day. Was that a win, though? Were you feeling good the next morning? or were It you- was just a Toronto-Calgary. It was oh. uh, it was just sitting out in the coldest day of uh, ever in terms of football in Manitoba. So uh, I went home with a little bit of extra money from my vacation, but I was not pleased. I was going to say, you do that after a loss, though, you're feeling even worse. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Kev. (laughs) Still holding on to that. And, uh, well, for me, it's also a CJOB story because I was, um, before it was full-time and would fill in here and there, I'd sometimes fill in for Jeff Braun when he was doing the afternoon news and fill in in the morning for sports or news or whatever. And I had um, just gotten into bed at like 2.30 in the morning, and I just lie down and the phone rings. And I think, oh, my God. And it was the news director at the time, Vic. And he says, hey, Brett, Burns, he's sick. Because Barry Burns was our news anchor in the morning at the time. Burns, he's sick. Can you come in? I'm like, um, I just went to bed, so I guess I can, but I'm going home at 9. Is that okay? And he didn't sound too imp- too pleased with that, but he's like, yeah, I think I think we can make that work. Okay, get down here. I'm like, all right, fine. So it wasn't my best morning, but I guess it was better than having nobody do it. So 204. You're better than dead air. Doesn't that make you feel good? You're just yeah. so slightly better than dead air. Please come in. There's a T-shirt right there. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've got Winnipeg Jets tickets to give away in two minutes' time for December 20th. But right now we want to remind you how you can win Shania Twain tickets for November 7th. We're asking you to tell us about a time you stepped into the breach. Like Kyle Milroy this morning, who after getting to bed at 1 a.m. was back here at 5 a.m. to fill in for producer Jeff Forte, who couldn't make it in. Loren, what does Dan have for us? Dan says, back in 1987, I used to work at the arena. During the blizzard in November, the Jets were due to host the New Jersey Devils on the Sunday. I wasn't scheduled to work, but knowing that I lived what would normally be a 10-minute walk away, my boss called me in, begging me to come. I trudged my way to the game, which was an hour walk, to find out I was one of four people working the entire building. 8,700 crazy fans showed up for that game in that storm. I made a lot of money, Dan says. The Jets won 7-1, and my neighbor picked me up on the snowmobile after the game. So, sounds fun. Yeah, New Jersey Devils. That's the game when I shoveled half of the parking lot at Fingers Restaurant all by myself to accommodate (laughs) crazy people coming to the restaurant before going to the game. What's Fingers Restaurant? That was next to Chi-Chi's, Loren. No, uh, really? That was my first first foray into the restaurant business. Oh, and then you stepped next door and then you really knew you were home. Oh, 
boy. I'm going to send you my CV, all 27 pages of it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make good money that night, Mackling? Uh, no, I, I made $3.85 an hour, Brett. Uh, I did not. No watch. tips? Uh, I can't talk about the tips. Oh. <laughs> okay, fine. I may have sold a parking spot or two that night. Ah. <laughs> you know, he's an entrepreneur. 204-780-6868. Tell us a story about stepping into the breach for a chance to win those Shania Twain tickets. But in the meantime, we have Winnipeg Jets tickets to give away. Mr. Mackling, you often have trivia nuggets up your sleeve. I can give you one. It relates to Winnipeg. It relates to Ottawa. Former Ottawa Senator player. Last night scored his 500th career point in his hometown against the Jets. Who is said player? Let's crack open the phone lines right now. If you know the answer, call now, 204-780-6868. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling has stepped away for the day. Kelly Moore coming up with uh, Winnipeg Jets commentary at 7.55. We just want to quickly revisit something that we talked about earlier this morning. And the headline at globalnews.ca Butt out lifetime ban on young people buying cigarettes imposed in New Zealand. So this is a world first for a country where lawmakers, they voted to ban the sale of cigarettes to anyone born on or after January 1st, 2009. Uh, so, for example, 50 years from now, New Zealanders might need to show ID to prove they're at least 63 years old to buy a pack of cigarettes. So we just wanted to get your feedback at 204-780-6868, Loren. Yeah, the idea is to never have anyone who's 14, currently 14 or younger, ever be able to legally purchase tobacco ever in that country. So it eventually country. And so eventually the goal is to phase it right out, right? There'd be no one legally purchasing cigarettes. And of course, critics have said, well, they'll find them somewhere or they'll find them on the black market because that's not like cigarettes aren't in the country or getting into the country and they're still allowing vaping. And so the question I was just curious about for folks this morning is that if, if you were to pick something that you think should be banned here based on its health impacts or the concerns uh, that it's, you know, putting tremendous weight on the healthcare system, what might it be? And does it make sense to ban products? Because I mean, where, where's the line for sure. Cigarettes cause a wide range of issues You've referenced the point before, Brett, that most people once addicted to smoking wish they had never started but struggle to stop. And then, you know, you have breathing issues. You might have heart conditions. You have a whole host of cancers that can come from cigarettes. But then where's the line? You know, would they look at alcohol next? There's all sorts of things that alcohol causes problems for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not to mention not just the health ramifications, but the ills of society with domestic violence being attributed to someone who might have a substance abuse issues, crime, you know, all the rest. I mean, if if we're going to ban something, it should be also banning something that hurts other people as well. And we, I don't know. (laughs) When you reference the, 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 those people who wish they maybe had never started, we got a really interesting text from somebody on the subject of smoking. This listener says, when I was 19 years old, I tried to start smoking. I had one in the AM and at the end of that workday, I did not have another. I just forgot to smoke the rest of the day. I'm 50 now and two weeks ago, I asked a friend for a smoke. I had two drags and my friend says to me, just put that out. Like, what are you doing? So this person says, I can't start. My three siblings smoke. So does my dad. 
um, but I just won't start anymore. And so, hey, thanks for the honesty on this. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you were unable to start smoking because all it took for me personally to get hooked, mm-hmm. to, hooked on smoking was two drags. I was 19 years old. It was at my buddy's cabin. I didn't even want it. What One of my friends went skulking around looking for a smoke and he found one. We were both drinking and he lights it up and he takes a haul on it. And then he says, just try it. So I did, and I coughed, and I hacked, and I wheezed, and I thought, that's it, I'm never doing that again. But he says, just try it again. Oh, and so boy. I did, and and it was wonderful. And there you go, 26 years of nicotine addiction, which it's been, uh, I, I so wish I could take that, that second drag away, because I've beaten it a few times, but it always lures me back. So I, I'm very thankful for vaping right now. Hopefully one day I can just knock that off too. Um, but yeah, the, on the question, what should be banned? Two hundred four, or even what do you do? What do you think about bans like this? Because this is because New Zealand is basically phasing out cigarettes. They're banning them for young kids. They'll never be able to smoke again. In theory, does that make sense to people? Or is it you know is there not a line too far? Yeah, and their goal is to go smoke free. They're hoping that's the goal to to be smoke free by twenty twenty five. Is that possible? <laughs> It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling has stepped away for the rest of the day. We are going to say hi in a moment to the winner of what turned out to be quite an exciting by-election in our city. But first, Loren, uh, next half hour, I think we're going to talk about this because it looks like a lot of Canadian workers are going to start the new year with vacation time owing. Are you this person? There's a new survey out this morning that shows many Canadians don't plan on using all their vacation by the end of the year, 29% say they'll take all the vacation in this year, and the rest is a toss-up. So that's actually an improvement from last year. But two-thirds of those surveyed said they worked extra time before or after vacation, and many of us not taking all our vacation days. What gives? What gives? Why are you not taking all that time? And do you get to carry it over? That's my question. It's one thing. If you can carry it into the next year and use it next year, great. What's preventing you from taking that time now? And I know our policy is we can carry it a little bit into the next year, but not much, Brett. And so you're inclined to use it while you have it. So we'll have that conversation next half hour, but you can feel free to start it on your own at 204-780-6868. Now, as we mentioned, it came down to the wire. Just 160 votes separating the winner in the Kirkfield Park by-election last night. Yeah, it was an exciting race. As you mentioned, like if you were tuning in around 10 or 11, you still didn't know what was going on. But yes, there was a winner and we're joined now by that person, Kevin Klein. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. So you, you kept your seat for the Tories and, and I know you said a win is a win and, it, and that's true. But I think there are many that will say this is voters sending a message because it wasn't decisive and it really did come down to the, the final few hundred votes. What do you take from that? Would you agree that maybe there's a message there? Well, I, I think that the message uh, that I heard is is obvious that, uh, first of all, residents want their MLAs to be more concerned and focused in on the residential issues. So for people in Kirkfield Park, they really want to see things that uh, tends to their needs, their values, uh, their expectations in government. And, and they're looking for that uh, attention, if you will. I felt that at the door, and I, I feel that uh, is something that's going to be important to me going forward. I think, for, you know, from a media perspective and, and, and out on the street, everyone was calling it a party race, a party race. But I really do think 
um, it, it started to come down to who is the right person to act on behalf of the residents. Now, this could end up being a short-lived job on Broadway for you with the provincial election just under a year away, Conservatives down in the polls. What do you think that you're, I know you, you say that in your writing it came down to the person, but for your party, what do you think your party needs to do to turn that tide? Well, I really believe a lot of things that the party has done over the last couple of months, especially and over the last 10 months, are very good progress uh, or programs for progress. I am very pleased with the $200 million investment to attract and retain healthcare staff. We really are not the only place in Canada that is suffering when it comes to a lack of healthcare staff. And so many other parties come forward and say they will fix the problem, they will fix the problem. But only Manitoba, if you look across the country, uh, across the rest of the country, only Manitoba has a plan. It has money set aside to attract, to retain, and to find staff to work in our hospitals and our our medical uh, facilities throughout the province. That's important to me. That's something that is less, it's not just talk, it's tangible, and it's something that I intend to follow up on as the uh, months and uh, pass here over the next little while into the next election. Also, their commitment to public safety. We've seen I was just going to jump in there with, with this, Kevin, because there have been, I will concede that there have been announcements on public safety in the past few months with the Premier promising to get tough on crime. But given, you know, even just with what happened at the Millennium Library over the weekend, uh, given the alleged serial killer, there, the patience is running out for Manitobans to feel safe in their own communities. And, and because it's happening everywhere right now. And, and do you get a sense that the clock is ticking with people's patience on feeling like they can walk down the streets day or night and and not have that fear. I heard that very much at the door. I think I heard that more than healthcare at the door and public safety for me is a very big concern. I think we have to reevaluate the resources we have with the Winnipeg police service. The city has grown exponentially uh, geographically and by population. We have the same amount of police cars that patrol the city of Winnipeg that we did in 29 and uh, 20 uh, well years ago 1999 um and we still have that same number of 28 police cars we have to take action and swiftly to start addressing the concerns of our residents because it, it has been far too long that we hear they don't feel safe going on the bus they don't feel safe going to parts of downtown or i only go downtown for a hockey game all of that comes with public safety and it's not just resolved by having more bodies in an area or, or a grocery store in an area. We have to take a, a different approach with policing. We have to look at our resources. And especially now, 51 murders. I can tell you, as the former police board chair, that takes up a lot of resources. That puts a lot of stress on all levels of uh, officers within the service. And, and And we are stretching them very thin right now. So we have to be taking a look at our, our total number of officers, and we have to be looking at strategic locations of some more, you know, maybe community stations. So downtown, for example, I know headquarters are there, but maybe we need a more focused unit that specifically is downtown that is there to help and to uh, respond to calls for help. Kevin Klein winning the Kirkfield Park by-election last night for the Manitoba PCs. Thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations. Listen, thank you very much for the time. I look forward to talking to you again soon.
It is McGarry and McNabb in a moment. It's our monthly visit with our friends over at RRC to tell you about some important initiatives they have cooking up. But before that, we are talking about vacation and vacation days in this poll that says that there are a lot of Canadians who don't plan to use all their vacation days by the end of the year. And Loren, uh, I understand Amanda is weighing in at 204-780-6868. Yeah, listen to this. She says, I have not taken more than two days in a row since 2018. Amanda says, I absolutely hate vacation. I feel like while taking week off or more is great and refreshing, it leads to actually be more stressed. I'm tired of coming back to work to what feels like way more work, the amount of time having to sort through emails, voicemails, etc. Plus the amount of paperwork left from others in my desk isn't worth it. Putting auto replies for out of office doesn't help either. I just get long threads of continued emails and I just can't says amanda so no vacation for her i guess that's interesting well amanda thanks for weighing in because part of that survey was many canadians are putting in extra hours at work before taking a holiday what they what's referred to as a time off tax so if yeah for a lot of people taking a vacation <laughs> is sometimes not worth the trouble uh so continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868 <laughs> Producer Jeff Fortier called me at 4.15 today saying, I'm, I'm sick. What do I do? So Kyle Milroy, who worked last night and was here till 11.30, 12 o'clock, didn't get home and into bed until 1 o'clock, he ended up back here at 5 a.m. So here's our here are a couple of runners-up for a chance to win these Shania Twain tickets for November 7th. Shane, we got a lot of Blizzard-related stories here. Shane points to the Blizzard in 97 was a manager at a full-service restaurant that was open 24 hours on Portage Avenue that rhymed with Schmirkins. So um, everyone who could get to Portage Avenue could get to the restaurant. Well, I worked 32 hours straight wow. in an annoyingly steady restaurant until relief finally arrived, and then I had to leave my car, take a bus home, and hike down Strathcona Street. And I believe me, I had a couple of impromptu naps standing up during that <laughs> shift and drank a lot of iced tea and ate a lot of bread bowls. Yum. Bread bowls? What's a br- Was the bread bowl for the soup? Salad, I think. Oh, for the salad. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you for that, Shane. TJ said, I work in healthcare, and before I had kids, I was always the person working Christmas. The one Christmas, it was storming. Staff couldn't get in. I ended up being there till midnight or sorry, till mid-afternoon on Boxing Day. This was 17 years ago, long before hospitals set up a storm transportation system like they have now. The hospital was really busy. It was exhausting. Not a lot of food options when there for over 24 hours. Yeah. Only so much um, vending machine you can hit up, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And depending on the hospital, too. I mean, maybe there's a donut shop or something inside. But uh, TJ, thanks for the hard work and for Shane for sticking it out at the restaurant for 32 hours. But Loren, Colin is our winner. In April of 1997, the year of the storm of the century, I worked for a large retailer that had facilities in St. James and Inkster Park. Colin says, I worked at the Inkster location, and as the storm hit, I let my staff go early on the Saturday because conditions were getting bad fast. On the Sunday, we woke to a huge accumulation of very heavy snow, and I was socked in at home. My manager called to say the snow weight had collapsed the roofs at not one, but both our shops. My best friend had been able to make it to St. James, and so I was asked to get to the Inkster building to check the damage and babysit our substantial food inventory. Here's how we got there. With the help of Winnipeg police, who picked me up from home, 
then got me to Station 2 on Portage Avenue. A fire crew then got me to Inkster Boulevard. And a snowmobile got me to <laughs> our building. I was there for four hours in what would have been normally a 20-minute drive. Wow. In the end, the collapse, while substantial, says Colin, had not damaged our work areas, but broken water pipes caused flooding that kept us shut down. It kept me there from the Sunday until Wednesday in the dark until hydro was restored. Our neighbors beside were the suppliers of all the materials for the Winnipeg McDonald's, and I hung out with them for company and safety. And I remember thinking, here I am sitting on a million Big Macs and I can't cook one. <laughs> so when I was able to finally go home, you have to know what drive through I hit. <laughs> An unforgettable experience. Colin, that is madness. Congratulations. Wild. You're going to Shania Twain. You know what's crazy is that we went, we were debating, you know, winner, and I got halfway through the story. I was like, this story, this is great. And I didn't finish it until now, oh. listening to you. Because I was like, who cares? This guy took a police car and a fire truck and a snowmobile to get to work. He really stepped into the breach. But no, then he stayed there in the dark until Hydro was restored from, uh, from Sunday to Wednesday. Come I would on. lose. I would go insane if I was sitting. If I had to stay in a McDonald's warehouse for three, four days and not be able to eat said McDonald's, that might be enough to send me to us into a straitjacket. So, Colin, <laughs> congratulations! You're the winner, Shania Twain, November seventh, Canada Life Center. Also, a reminder, by the way. That you can go to cjob.com for the gift of sleep with Sleep Country. We're encouraging you to go to cjob.com. Nominate someone you think deserves the gift of sleep from Sleep Country Canada. One lucky winner will get a $500 gift card for Sleep Country this Friday, December 16th on The Start. Something cool happening this weekend uh, that oddly enough ties in, Loren, with something we just talked about on Monday about Winnipeg and like having a, a winter village. Well, the idea that could we do better as a city in terms of just embracing winter, right? And we just, I know last week we were talking to the exchange about what they're doing and like, you know, how, what are the cool things we could do to embrace winter? And then on Monday, Hal was asking that question again because, you know, could we do something permanent? Like, is there a place we could go? And we came up with the whole It'd be great if who said it? Norway. Greg wanted it to be Norway. I think like a little like like he was visiting Norway all the time, or maybe that was you. And so, of course, the next day we get a note about a new outdoor holiday tradition, a new one coming to Osborne Village this weekend. It's winter in the village, and we have Lindsay Summers, the executive director of Osborne Village Biz, to tell us more. So, Lindsay, walk me through this winter in the village. What does that look like to you? Good morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so. We took a step back, uh, the biz, and thought uh, Osborne Village is a really unique community. We ha- we're a winter city. You know, what could we do to attract people here and celebrate winter? And, you know, looking at the Nordic countries that do winter really, really well, I think Winnipeg uh, can draw a lot of inspiration from that. So we partnered with the Gas Station Art Centre to create a, a winter wonderland right here in Osborne Village with warming fires, uh, live DJs, entertainment outside, a pop-up winter bar, and, you know, really invite the community to come and connect uh, right in the heart of the city this winter. By the way, Lindsay, are you on a speakerphone? Hate to ask you this live in the air, but uh, it just sounds really, sounds like you're really far away. Oh, okay. Is this better for you? Not uh, not quite. Okay, one second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you, if you've got a handset that you can pick up, that'd be better. There we go. I have my AirPods in. 
Ah, okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll start from the top again. Yeah, so in uh, looking at Osborne Village, we, we wanted to take a look at uh, Winter Cities and what they're doing to create some atmosphere, entertainment, and bring the community together. And, uh, yeah, we have Christmas markets all over Europe, and uh, Osborne Village is the right place to do that. We've got the, the shops, the restaurants, the community, the space, the arts, the entertainment. And so we're just inviting everyone outside uh, under the twinkly lights to come together and, and celebrate the holidays. So what, uh, what like, led you to think, like, hey, let's do this, like that, that, and that Osborne Village is the right place? Well, like in European cities, everything is walkable and connected, and that's really what we've got here in Osborne Village. We've got 13,000 people. We've got, you know, 100 shops and restaurants, all concentrated in one cozy space. Uh, we've got the gas station art center and the beer can pop-up patio. Uh, and it really, it just makes a lot of sense as a gathering spot uh, for folks to come together right here in Winnipeg. And so, you know, putting up holiday decor and lights all throughout the neighborhood and just connecting the dots for people to come together with, with Santa and Christmas carols and, and entertainment, cookie decorating and all of the fun holiday things all together in one spot for the weekend. What I think is really great about what you guys are doing, and I know the exchange is doing something after Christmas, is the idea that, you know, there are all sorts of reasons to come to the village. But I think in the last two and a half years, we might have forgotten some of those, or maybe we've gotten into habits that we want to shake, right? Get us back out, get back shopping like we used to, and bring us back to seeing things that we, we know and love. And this is a way to bring people back in and maybe then have them also go, oh, wow, I didn't know this store was down here or this new restaurant was here. Yeah, that's a really important piece because, you know, it's really easy to shop on Amazon and shop online. So we've got to remind people about that shopping in person experience and what it feels like to, you know, feel the coziness of a blanket or smell a candle and talk to shopkeepers who who really are giving the best advice for the right gifts. Um, we've got a window display contest where all the village businesses are have really spruced up all their windows <laughs> and lights and um and it is about, you know, creating a whole experience around shopping. It's not just running in and out of the store. It's, it's you're going to walk under these twinkly lights. You're going to have a drink outside by a fire. You're going to warm up and have some a beer and nachos at Carlos and Murphy's after you're done shopping. It's about a whole experience that you can have in Osborne Village this weekend. Our guest is Lindsay Summers, Executive Director of Osborne Village Biz. And you talked about the businesses sprucing up the windows and whatnot, and whatnot. So are the businesses in the area excited for this weekend? Yeah, everyone's really excited to welcome shoppers back and, and to have, you know, some festivities and, and joy back into the neighborhood again. You know, there's been a lot a lot new energy coming back into the neighborhood this summer and, uh, and winter in, in the uh, Osborne Village. And, you know, it's just time to just welcome people back into stores and 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 you know get out into the neighborhood and you know, smile at one another and and really share public space which is really what a neighborhood and community is all about i'm just wondering why brett uh, unless i just completely missed this the number one thing on this list is the pop-up beer can winter <laughs> bar and i'm just curious as to why that wasn't numero uno on the question front for you today but tell us about it Lindsay. Yeah, so we're really excited to partner with the Beer Can. They're popping up with the uh, outdoor beer garden outside the Gas Station Art Centre. Uh, so they'll be serving up holiday drinks all weekend. And then special on Sunday, their good neighbour uh, is popping up there with brulee beer. So they put this hot poker in the fire and then they dump it into your beer. And then this uh, magic brulee beer appears. And it's just this wonderful scientific beer experiment that tastes delicious. What time is that start? <laughs> 
Okay. You had him at Buh. For <laughs> well, that just sounds so cool. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, my goodness. So Santa's going to be popping up there. We've got Christmas carols. We've got a sing-along. We've got wandering carolers all throughout the village this weekend. We've got a Mama Cutsworth family dance party on the patio. It's really about just getting people outside this winter, connecting the neighborhood, having some fun together, and just, you know, sharing in holiday merriment. Where did you get all the Charlie Brown trees for the Charlie Brown Christmas tree lot? Because uh, that, those could be coveted some years. Yeah, I, we're, we're expecting them to go fast. That's all responsibility of the Bear Can. They were the great partners to bring that out there for us. Now, I also see that part of this involves free family holiday films through the weekend, including the Star Wars Christmas special. And I'm curious to know which Star Wars special. Do you know? Like, Because there was an infamous one from the late 70s. You're not showing that one, are you? You know what? I don't know exactly which one, but the programmer was laughing. They're like, no, no, no. This is the one that everyone loves to not love. So oh it might be that 70s one is exactly the one that they were looking at. So Holy I knew that there was smokes. a bit of a wink when they when they programmed that one. So. Yeah, that because uh, it's it's notoriously awful, and it's it's also notoriously difficult to find. So the fact that you're able to get your hands on that is amazing. So this uh, it goes Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, well, one more question about the because you talk about the lights uh, that that have decorated the neighborhood. How long are those lights going to stay up? Because not only do they look nice, but more light, mm-hmm. of course, means more safety. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for asking. Yeah, we're we're going to keep the lights up for a while, uh, well into the spring, and uh, we're going to explore our budgets to see how long we can keep them up. But yeah, we're definitely going to keep them up for as long as we can. Well, awesome. Lindsay Summers, Executive Director of Osborne Village Biz, thank you very much for joining us, and thanks for doing this. As one of the neighbors, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what's going to go down in the village this weekend. Awesome. We'll see you this weekend. Winter in the village. Osborne Village sounds super fun. Um, not super fun this morning, depending on where you are in southern Manitoba, is driving on the highways. We've had a lot of people saying, where are the plows? And, Loren, we understand there's uh, an update from the province. Well, we've been talking about some issues with snow clearing going back a year now, and we've had a number of people from the highways department who work with them tell us, you know, anonymously that the, some of the issues are staffing, that they're, they're struggling to get out on the road because they just don't have the people. And of course, we had that tremendous run of events in the spring where it was storm after storm after storm. And so about a month ago, I'd asked the province for some information on where things were at with their highways department. How many staff did they have? And back then they indicated they were in the process. This was about six weeks ago, rather. They were in the process of hiring what they hoped would be 40 people. And today, I just got an update from them that of those 40, they've hit 31. So 31 new maintenance staff have been brought back. Former employees on a casual basis have also been brought back. And then five of 17 new replacement plows are on the road. And so they're making some inroads there. But I'd like to know what listeners are finding in rural Manitoba or on your commute into Winnipeg this morning on some of those major highways. Did you feel like you were seeing the plows out? Are they out there? 780-6868. And by the way, uh, if you want a full event schedule for Winter in the Village, forgot to mention, uh, just go to osbornvillagebiz.com and you can find the Winter in the Village page there for the full uh, lineup. And uh, they're going to show that Star Wars Christmas special on Sunday evening. It is. Have 9- you seen that? Sorry, Brett, to interrupt. Have you seen it in full? I've only seen bits and pieces of it. And, and is uh, it bad? Oh, it's terrible. It is terrible. But I mean, it, it, like it, it, watching it with a group would be amazing because then you can all enjoy in the awfulness. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I think George Lucas has done 
uh, everything he can to find and eradicate all existence of this thing. Uh, so the fact that they're showing this is, I think, one of the neatest things of the whole weekend. So good for them.